I'm going to talk about all the things that aren't true in human resources. No, I'm serious. They, they exist. They exist. You know, again, um, I talk to people all the time and, and in various experience levels. And I'm never, ever shocked completely when I run into someone who says, oh, that can't be true. Or, well, I just always thought that's the way it was. You know what? Yes, human resources, everything has been changing um, at the speed of light. But there are some things that we really need to talk about because there's some people out there thinking that um, there are some rules and policies that just don't exist. So you're listening to the human resource, and we're going to talk about the five myths of HR policy. I know there's a lot more than five, but we're going to start with this five. So let's say that this is just show one of the five myths of HR policy. And let me see how many of those or these um, will kind of hit home for you. The first one is the assumption that management has to treat everyone the same. Now I know you've heard I know you've heard that if you have been in management for a number of years or if you've you've uh, been listening or being trained, people will say, "Oh, but but if we do it for this person, we have to do it for that person." And and listeners, I'm 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 here to tell you, you don't don't always have to do that. We don't always have to treat everyone the same. That is a myth. The truth is. When you're making HR policy or when you're making HR decisions, you want to treat similarly situated individuals the same. Similarly situated. Example, if I've got a warehouse and or maybe even drivers and they ask for a particular change in a process or in a policy, or if one of them were to come to me and say, you know what, Pandy, um, I need Fridays off. I might approve that. And management might say, yeah, that's fine. My warehouse is, is pretty much quiet for the week. They've got most of their work done Thursday, Friday morning. Yeah, I can let that person off on Friday. And if my person in the front office, one of my administrative staff, comes to me and says, oh, well, then I want Fridays off, I may not have any obligation to give that person the day off because the needs of that particular department, the needs of that area are entirely different than what my drivers and my warehouse are doing. They are not similarly situated. The job is different. The responsibilities are different. In fact, even the, the use or the impact on the company is entirely different. And when we're talking about making policies, we really want to make sure that, number one, they meet the needs of the business, but then we can go down and decide, is this good for this department? Is it good for that department? Similarly situated. Your first new phrase to think about and the first myth we're going to disbunk. Here's another one. When we use the word salary, that means that individual is exempt. That means that that person is not eligible for overtime. Myth, 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 not true. I try really hard with my clients to teach them to not use the term hourly and salary. 
I try to focus them back onto the Fair Labor Standard Act on the terms non-exempt and exempt. And here's why. A non-exempt individual, as defined under the Fair Labor Standard Act, is eligible for overtime. They are eligible for overtime. And under the Fair Labor Standard Act, which is overseen by wage and hour, they are also able to negotiate a flat rate of pay, a salary. FLSA does not tell you that you have to pay them hourly. If someone comes to you and says, okay, I want $400 a week, and you negotiate that, that's great. But if they're a non-exempt classified individual, if they, if they don't fit within the exempt classifications, and there are very specific rules with that, we've talked about that on the show, you still have to pay that person on a salary overtime if they work over 40 hours in a work week. Not over eight in a day, but over 40 in a work week. So salary doesn't always mean exempt. Talk to your labor law attorney or your consultant to clarify your classifications. You know how I am about that. But here's another one. We deduct all breaks. I go in every so often and I'm auditing a handbook and someone says, oh, well, you know, I, if they're going out for smoke breaks, all smoke breaks are deducted. And if they're taking a break outside of their mealtime, we're deducting it. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't do that if the break is up to 20 minutes. The Fair Labor Standard Act, again, has rules and guidelines. Wage and hour has rules and guidelines. And it has been declared that if someone should leave their workstation and they take a break up to 20 minutes, we are paying them for that. You cannot deduct that. Now, there could be some question of deducting time when they leave the premises or the building off the facilities. So if they get in their car and drive away, that's a whole different story. But if they're in the break room, they're using the facilities, they're um, walking around the building for a small break or smoke break, if it's up to 20 minutes, it's paid time. And I always tell my, my uh, clients who get fussy about that, look, this is all about management. If you're managing your people and you're managing their time, you can't deny them going to the bathroom, but you can sometimes manage how many times they leave their station. So there's number three. Here's one. Number four, myth number four. Any discussion about compensation is confidential. And I cannot tell you how many times I see that in handbooks. If I give you a raise... If I give you a bonus, you're not to go out there and tell anyone else on the workforce. And guys, that is not permitted anymore. At one time, yes, maybe. But my favorite agency of all, the National Labor Relations Board, has completely taken that away from employers. You are not permitted to stifle or prohibit employees from talking about compensation. So if you've got it in your handbook... Go back and pull that out. It is not considered confidential information. So check your confidentiality policy as well. And then number five. <laughs> and this one is very, very confusing. So I'm going to try to try to take this slowly. Everyone has heard of HIPAA. 
In fact, HIPAA sometimes is something that people just roll their eyes about and they sign the release form at the doctor's form or the doctor's office and it's it's probably the most misunderstood legality of HR that exists right now. But HIPAA being the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act was actually established as national standards to protect sensitive health information from disclosure without a patient's consent or knowledge. That seems easy. It seems really, really easy. But here's why employers get all mixed up with HIPAA. HIPAA is protecting the use and the distribution and the knowledge of patient information from the doctor or the medical facility. If the employee comes to you and says, hey, I'm going to have hip surgery, or if they look at the person sitting next to them and say, oh, oh yeah, I, I, I just got diagnosed with diabetes, that's not HIPAA. And as much as we all want to protect our employees from disclosing too much health information or our supervisors' management teams using health information to discriminate against our employees, if the employee is volunteering that information, they are not violating HIPAA. A violation of HIPAA would be an HR person, an office manager, an administrative, anyone from the company calling the doctor's office and asking specifics about a diagnosis. Let's say that somebody wants to uh, go on FMLA or someone is requesting an accommodation under ADA. The medical certifications to support that have to go through the employee, and then it comes from the employee back to the employer. The company is not to call the doctor and ask specifics about that employee's health condition. That would be a violation of HIPAA. So when I hear people say, oh, well, we, the employees are out there talking about so-and-so's health, informa- uh, health condition, and, and I just know that's a violation of HIPAA, actually, it may not be if the medical provider or a doctor is not involved. And if a in, 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 blah, 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 employee themselves offers the information and divulges it, no violation's been had. And I would recommend to each of you, make sure your employees know that they can keep that protected. Make sure that they know that if they don't want to discuss it, they don't have to, except with the HR person or with the individuals who have a need to know. And you know, you've all heard that comment from me before. A need to know. Well, now you know five of the most misunderstood HR practices and policies. Because, after all, you've been listening to The Human Resource. My name's Pandy Pridemore, and I hope you come back. <laughs>